At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I don't know if you guys watched the January 6th committee hearing yesterday but Cassidy Hutchinson testified and the walls are officially closing in on Donald Trump that was the big one the walls are closing in obviously I'm joking uh that did not happen so please don't change the channel uh you know it was billed as this bombshell but the only thing that ended up blowing up was the January 6th committee we're going to get to that in a little bit I'm Lisa Booth the host of the truth with Lisa Booth and I'm filling in for my good friend Jesse Kelly tonight. This is the Jesse Kelly show, but you know that. And you know that Jesse is an awesome guy as well. I got to spend some time with him, hang out with him not too long ago at the 2000 Mules premiere at Mar-a-Lago. We had a good time. There, there might have been a little bit of tequila involved, but uh, you know, it, it was a good time. So we've, we've, we've got a big show coming up over the next three hours. But before we get to that, just a little bit of news. I, I'm sure you guys have heard, but Kentaji Brown Jackson is going to be sworn in as the Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. This is the person who couldn't define what a woman is, right? She, she Obviously, she knows. She just didn't want to say it because we live in a clown world, and that's the whole thing on the left now is that boys can be b- girls, girls can be boys, right? There's no truth. That's that's their whole thing, right? So she's also been soft on child pornography. So, you know, naturally, she's crazy, and naturally, she's a hero to the left. So that's what we're going to be dealing with on the Supreme Court. So, uh, you know, Godspeed, right? 
So next three hours, we've got a big show coming up. I'm really excited. I'm so excited to be filling in for Jesse. That's so kind of him to trust me with his show. So I'm honored. Really excited to be here with you guys tonight. So coming up, we've got Governor Kim Reynolds of Iowa. I actually met her recently at a Governor DeSantis event. She's awesome. I was so impressed by her. And she's also one of those states that really bucked the group thing, bucked the establishment. And she said, you know what? I'm not shutting down Iowa. We're not locking down. Right. So she fought that. So we're going to talk to her a little bit about that. Also, what does overturning Roe versus Wade mean for Iowa? So we're going to get our take on that. Hour two, we've got my friend Buck Sexton. You know him. He's the co-host of the Clay and Buck show, all around great guy as well. I want to talk to him about this purging of the National Guardsmen who don't want to get vaccinated, right? They don't want to get this thing that's not even stopping the spread of COVID, right? Everyone can get COVID. We've seen this, right? So so why are they forcing these National Guardsmen to get, to get the vaccine, right? Why are they being punished for, for having an individual choice? It's insane. So we're going to get his take as well on that. Then we're going to get my buddy... Uh, Bobby Burak of the Outkick as well. We're going to talk about why the media is so insane. Uh, you know, we could probably fill a whole hour with that. <laughs> there's, there's a lot to get to there. Uh, so he's a great guy. That's going to be interesting, too. And then the last hour, we're going to talk to my friend Josh Hammer. He's the opinion editor of Newsweek, and he's a super brave guy. He actually published my op-ed about why I wasn't getting vaccinated. And you got to remember, this was back in November of 2021. I mean, remember how crazy people were then, right, like a year ago? Where if you didn't get vaccinated, you wanted to kill your neighbor, you hated grandma, you're a terrible American, you know, you hated everyone, you ended up, you needed to be in a gulag, right? So that was kind of like the mentality at the time. But he published it, brave of him at the time, and I had actually sent it to the Washington Post. And, and guess how they responded? They said, good luck and please stay safe, right? The implication is because I'm not vaccinated, somehow I was going to end up in the hospital, even though I'm 37 and I'm young and healthy, right? So how dumb was that? So of course I responded. I said, you know what? I hope you stay safe as well. Boom. So in your face, Washington Post. So there's that. So so those are the guests coming up. So I I think it's going to be a great show. I hope you guys feel the same way. I hope you stick with me over the next three hours. Again, thanks so much for for listening, for being here tonight. Uh, A great three hours. You know, and I want to get into some of the really big issues facing the country. You know, the way I see it, I think the big issues, we've got this weaponization of government against Americans, right? Right. This this punishing people for wrong thing, this denying people liberty in America by our own government, right? Like America's under attack, but it's not external, it's internal. And it's coming from our own government. I also want to get into tonight, you know, some different themes and some different topics about this post-truth world that we're living in right now. Boys can be girls. Girls can be boys. There's no truth. You know, we're, we're just supposed to, you know, submit and shut up to, to these lies and, and this clown world that they want us to exist in. You know, so, so we're going to cover all these different topics. But, you know, I want to start with what we saw at the January 6th hearing i i admittedly have not really been watching right because these people are liars and i've got better things to do like wash my hair you know take my dog on a walk really anything besides watching these lying liars and these are the same people who have been saying this for so long it's really the beginning of the end the beginning of the end he may be feeling the walls closing in on him all the walls closing in on him the walls closing in on him breaking news a new bombshell one astrologer says this means the beginning of the end for president donald trump the beginning of the end of the trump presidency trump will resign trump is going to resign is this the tipping point i know we've said it 
over and over. You think this is a tipping point? And over and over. This is a tipping point. And over and over. Breaking news, President Trump off the rails. It was the beginning of the end today. The beginning of the end. It reminds me a lot of the last days of Nixon. Breaking news tonight, new bombshell. This is the beginning, not the end. The beginning of the end. The walls are closing in. The walls closing in. The walls closing in. The walls are closing in, the beginning of the end, over and over and over and over, we have heard this, right? But they always fall short. They always fall flat because they hate this guy so much that they're even willing to bank on someone like Cassidy Hutchinson without even vetting her story before holding a special hearing to have her come and speak, right? And they build it as a bombshell, right? This this is going to take him down. We've got him, guys. High fives. It's over for Trump, right? Cassie Hutchinson, she's this former staffer for for Mark Meadows. Uh, Obviously, you know him. He was the chief of staff to President Trump. But let's listen. Let's listen to what she had to say, okay? The president had very strong, very angry response to that. Um, Tony described him as being irate. The president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president, take me up to the Capitol now. To which Bobby responded, sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. We're not going to the Capitol. President Trump lunged at the throat of a Secret Service agent, tried to grab the steering wheel after being told we could not go to the Capitol. I mean, President Trump did say after he recovered from COVID that he felt like Superman. Uh, but but this seems pretty fishy, right? And if there's a reason why, you know, you saw this and initially you're like, yeah, I don't think I believe this. Put it on the long list of lies we've been told, you know, because it is a lie, right? Her, her story is not true. And it fell apart just hours after the hearing, right? And you even have lefties, you know, people like NBC's chief White House correspondent, Peter Alexander, that reported that, you know, sources close to these Secret Service agents that were there that day that were with President Trump in the presidential limousine uh, and the the SUV driver, right, the the driver, that they're prepared to testify under oath that neither man was assaulted and that President Trump never lunged for the stealing wheel. That's not what Liz Cheney told us, right? She she billed this as a bombshell, right? She 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 put her credibility. I mean, she doesn't really have any credibility, let's be honest. But you know, but she told us that this was it, right? They, you know, they they boosted it. It was supposed to be this big deal. By the way, she's got a primary on August eight or August sixteenth, rather. So let's pray that she goes down in a fiery ball of flames and and loses and is embarrassed for her role in this sham of a, a hearing, right? But it, it was a last minute hearing, supposed to be a bombshell. It was not. She had also lied about another thing as well, this uh, Cassidy girl, right? So she had talked about some sort of handwritten note that Mark Meadows allegedly asked her to dictate the statement for President Trump as the events were unfolding January 6th. And when asked by Liz Cheney, she'd asked her under oath, by the way, under penalty of perjury, right? Liz Cheney asked her, she said, and it's written on the chief of staff note card, but that's your handwriting. And Hutchinson responded, that's my handwriting. But it turns out it's not her handwriting. It's actually the handwriting of the former White House lawyer, Eric Hirschman. He said that he was actually the one that wrote this note. So you have two things, two bombshells that blew up. But we know that because the entire January 6th committee, you know, they sit on a throne of lies, right? It's all lies. 
That's the whole point of this. And the whole point of the January 6th committee is to punish people for wrong think. Punishing people for daring to be with President Trump, daring to support President Trump, daring to stand up to the swamp, right? They want to control us and they don't want anyone getting in the way. And like, I I will start paying attention to the January 6th committee when they find the person who allegedly laid the pipe bombs at the DNC and the RNC. Where is that guy, right? Why can't they find him? They can find grandma or grandpa who gave themselves a self-guided tour, but they can't find the person who laid the pipe bombs. Don't you think that would be a higher priority? And of course, we know the reason why. It was probably a Fed, right? Just like the Feds were involved in the Gretchen Whitmore kidnapping plot. So we'll probably never get to the truth of that. They're never going to be honest with this. You know, but what they're using the January 6th committee as a tool of is to put people like Peter Navarro in chains. Steve Bannon as well. You've got the the Trump campaign lawyer, John Eastman, just had his phone seized by FBI agents. They took his phone, he says, without showing them a warrant at first. Listen to what he said on Tucker Carlson. The Fourth Amendment's very clear here. Uh, When they search and seize your property, they have to give a particular description of the things to be seized. And and saying it's identified in the affidavit, if they don't attach the affidavit, doesn't qualify. The courts have been very clear about that. So this this warrant is invalid on its face. Um, But more importantly, and I I think this is extremely important, the the authority to seize all of my information in modern, modern smartphones, that's access to all my private financial records. I'm an attorney. It's access to all my privileged communications with nearly 100 different clients that I have currently. All, this stuff, this stuff uh, is what we used to call a general warrant that the British king issued to just go rummage through somebody's belongings to see if they could find evidence of some crime. The very reason we have the Fourth Amendment is to prevent that kind of abuse. And yet that's what they're doing here. I mean, so we, know what the, we all know what this is, right? It's a fishing expedition by the FBI. But I'm glad he mentioned the British government because, you know, look, we're coming up on Independence Weekend, Independence Day, the 4th of July. And I've been thinking a lot about the foundations of America, of just kind of going back, looking at the American Revolution, looking at our nation's foundations as well. And what's so interesting is the, the revolution actually started with the 1765 Stamp Act, right? It was this direct ta- tax on the 13 colonies and it required that a lot of printed goods in the colonies be produced on stamp paper, you know, produced in, in London. But up until this point, the 13 colonies were largely self-governed. And then now you've got the heavy hand of the British government from afar trying to dictate the way they live their lives. Right. So a lot of people talk about, you know, oh, taxation without representation. Uh, you know, of course, that played a role. But it was really over the role of government. Right. And like the way our country set up, the government's supposed to fear us. We're not supposed to fear our own government. But ask yourselves, I mean, do you fear the government? I mean, I do, to be honest. You know, as I said earlier, like we're under attack. I mean, the the threat isn't external, it's internal, right? It's from our own government. It's from the own attacks on the way we live our lives, on what America is supposed to be. Who are we? What do we believe as Americans? What's our system of government? Right. You know, and and you look at the way that they they punished Trump. Right. And the media has been looking for this coup, which they they say January 6th was. But didn't the coup take place under President Trump? I, I mean, look at this weaponization of government against political enemies. We're seeing it now with January 6th. I mean, they're going after Ginny Thomas, Clarence Thomas's wife. 
We saw it against Trump when he was a candidate. We saw it when he was president-elect, and, and we saw it when he was president, right? I mean, go through the list, right? There's a long, long list. We, we could take this entire hour going through the list of things they did to him. You, you've got a former FBI agent, Kevin Kleinsmith, literally doctoring an email so he can obtain FISA warrants against Carter Page. Carter Page was working with the government. He was a government source. He wasn't working against us. They lied about that. The FBI and the DOJ used Hillary Clinton opposition research, Russian disinformation to obtain a warrant against American citizens. Right. You've got the FBI director briefed President Trump, President-elect Trump on January 6, 2016, just on the salacious details of the dossier. And you know why he did that? Because the media couldn't run with the dossier before because it was unsubstantiated. So he briefed him on that. And then, oh, guess what happened? The media went with the dossier after that meeting. Right. You, you got you had staffers writing in The Wall Street Journal about how they intentionally subverted the will of a duly elected president. You've got the final days of the Trump administration. You had General Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs Staff, subverting the military chain of command, talking directly to the Chinese government behind Trump's back, or president, the president of the United States. And of course, we know this treatment was different than the way they treated Hillary Clinton, right? I mean, she literally destroyed evidence with hammers when they were investigating her for her emails. They gave immunity to people like Cheryl Mills, even though these people lied to the to the FBI as well. You'd, yeah, I mean, all these things, right? So, so if you're looking for a coup, it was against Donald Trump. But, you know, it's only treasonous if you're a conservative to question the election. Nancy Pelosi can tweet the 2016 election was hijacked. Stacey Abrams can think she's still the the governor of Georgia. But don't you dare, if you are a conservative, don't you dare question the elections. You are not allowed to. You're not allowed to, my friends. And and let's just listen to this is what they say started an insurrection, right? This is what they say inside of the crowd. Listen to what President Trump said. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. (laughs) peacefully and patriotic, right? Does that sound insightful to you? Hmm. Uh, Not to me. You know what does when we have someone like Congresswoman Maxine Waters saying, you know, the hell with the Supreme Court, we're going to defy them after the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade. I mean, that sounds a little insurrection-y, right? A little insurrection-y. Or when she back in 2018 told people to get up in the faces of Trump supporters, to, to make them known that they're not welcome anymore, anywhere, anymore. Or when, you know, after during the Derek Chauvin trial, going out in the street and, and telling people to get more confrontational, right? But but they're going to lie. They, they lied about Charlottesville with President Trump as well. They lied about the Russia bounty story. The, the list is endless. All they do is lie to us. Because they want to dictate the, the terms. And you better submit. And if you don't submit, look what happened to Peter, Peter Navarro, right? Look what happened to Steve Bannon. That's the message. Look what happened to John Eastman. That's the message they're trying to send us. But the good news is that even though our government's corrupt, there's still hopes, right? There's still hope. We have checks and balances that our founding fathers set up. Those safeguards that protect us from our government are still holding. The left's been trying to tear them down, but they are still standing. Our nation is still standing, right? And we saw good news with the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade, standing up for religious freedom, as well, and we have an opportunity to take our government back this November. And there are legitimate concerns with the elections, 
which is why we've got to hit it hard. We've got to get out there. You know, so there's hope, right? And we got to get out there and we got to elect people like Governor DeSantis. We got to elect people like, you know, President Trump. We got to elect these people standing up for individual liberty and freedom, these freedom fighters. So I want to take some questions on the other side for for you guys. And the question is simply, what do you think the biggest threat is that's facing the country? I want to hear from you. 877-377-4373. Again, 877-377-4373. I want to hear from you. What's the biggest threat we're facing? This is the Jesse Kelly Show. So no one's ever accused me of being short-winded. Apparently, I went on too long. We will get to your questions later in the show, so I'm sorry about that. I went on too long. But we've got Governor Kim Reynolds of Iowa coming up after the commercial break. We're going to talk about a lot of things like what does overturning Roe versus Wade mean for Iowa? Stay with us. All right, so we do have calls. We're going to get to it after this conversation with Governor Kim Reynolds. I was a little bit worried. It's like kickball where you're like, no one picks you. (laughs) I was worried no one would call in. But you're there. Hang tight. We'll get to you. But we've got to get to Governor Kim Reynolds first. Governor, I got to meet you last week. I absolutely loved meeting you. I was so impressed by you. So I really appreciate you just taking the time to to come on with me. Oh, thanks, Lisa. It was great to meet you, too. I've been a fan for a long time, so I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, Well, I'm a fan of yours as well. You know, Iowa was one of those states. You didn't bend the knee on lockdowns. You you stood strong. You stood against the group think. Why did you make that decision when when others didn't? Well, first of all, it was the right thing to do. We had a lot of state data to base our decisions on. We actually listened to the science. We respected the people that we serve, that I serve, and I put our trust trust in Iowans. We gave them the information. Uh, We kept them updated every single day. And we let them make the decisions that they needed to make. We empowered people over government. I love that. And, uh, you know, it started with economic and personal freedom, and that meant keeping our our economy open. Another piece of it in Iowa is we're a small state, but we're large in terms of uh, food supply. Our producers produce 10% of the, uh, the nation's food supply, and so it was just critical that we kept the food supply chain moving and the supply chain that really supports that. So between all of that, I'm proud to say that we're in a much better shape because of it, because we put our trust in Iowans, um, and we kept our kids in school. We were one of the first states to get our kids back in the classroom. Uh, I passed, we said no to mask and and vaccine mandates, and we said no to uh, just a lot of the stuff that's been shoved down our throats. But we're better off because of it, and really, um, Lisa, because we kept our economy open, and, and just empowering people. I've actually this year signed my third tax cut since taking office in 2018. Uh, we'll go from an individual income tax rate of almost 9% to down to 3.9, flat and fair. We have the sixth highest to the fourth lowest uh, starting in January. We'll no longer tax retirement income, and we're phasing out inheritance tax. So because Great. we trusted our, our, our people, we were able to continue to do those kind of things. Well, and I'm sure they appreciated you for for doing that, for standing strong. I I don't want to know what this country would look like if it wasn't for brave people like you, Governor DeSantis, holding the line for freedom and individual liberty in this country. You know, Governor, we all saw and and we're extremely happy to see the Supreme Court stood strong in the face of, you know, quite literally, actually, you know, someone trying to kill Justice Kavanaugh. Uh, You know, but we saw them stood stood strong and overturn Roe versus Wade. What does that mean for, for the state of Iowa? 
Well, again, it was a phenomenal day. Great God. I mean, great couple of weeks for not only the rule of law, but the Constitution, whether it was the Second Amendment, like religious liberties, school choice. So uh, it, it was a definite, the, the Roe v. Wade uh, ruling or Dobbs kind of wasn't a destination for Iowa. It set a path. And can I give you a little bit of background? So we're in a good place. Yeah, of we course. We also got a really good ruling from our Iowa uh, Supreme Court. So in 2018, I signed a heartbeat bill. It was the first, I was the first state in the country to ban abortion based on the detection of a heartbeat, six weeks. Later that same year, I had a very different court, Supreme Court, and in a 72-hour uh, wait period for an abortion, they claimed in that ruling that Iowa, that the Iowa Constitution provided a fundamental right to an abortion. Sounds similar to Roe <laughs> is the ruling we just got, um, and they based it on strict scrutiny. So shut the door on the democratic process. Uh, they enjoined the heartbeat bill, put it on hold. And uh, last Tuesday, June 17th, the Iowa Supreme Court reversed its own decision of four years ago and found that there is not a fundamental right uh, to an abortion based on the Iowa Constitution, uh, and that they removed strict scrutiny. They didn't address undue process because they said they were waiting on Dobbs to gather some insight. So they kind of uh, punted on that. And so I took action this week uh, in light of the Dobbs ruling and the rational basis. I've asked them to rehear the case that they they just released um, last Tuesday. And hopefully we'll get them to move to rational basis, which would then make the fetal heartbeat feel law. And I've also asked at the same time a dual path to ask uh, the court to lift the injunction on our fetal heartbeat bill based on the Iowa Supreme Court ruling and based on the Dobbs case as well. So we're moving in the right direction. Uh, and the difference in that is since 2018, I have appointed four of the seven Supreme Court justices uh, on mm. the bench, and we actually have justices that uphold the rule of law and the Constitution. Elections matter. They they really do, you know, matter. You know, we put so much attention on federal elections you know, why, why do you think we don't emphasize state elections enough? As we just talked about, if it wasn't for people like you, if it wasn't people for like Governor DeSantis holding the line, you know, we, we could still be in lockdowns. Why do you think there's yeah, not think, as much of an emphasis on, on state and, you know, local elections? I, at least I honestly think that COVID is changing that. I think it's just such a stark contrast to the way that red states and Republican governors operated through COVID, really upholding freedom and liberty and, and putting our trust in people versus what we've seen from the blue states. And, and I'm telling you, their statistics are worse. The crime, the death, the people fleeing the states uh, that locked people down and instituted mandates. Uh, it, it's just there's such a stark contrast. And so I think people are really starting to realize how important both state elections are and not only state, but our local elections. What we've seen working with different school boards and with county governments uh, you know, that was a constant battle, too. And with some of the law that we have in place with the executive order, uh, even though we tried to keep that limited, that really allowed me to keep um, some overzealous local governments from implementing mass mandates and impl- implementing vaccine mandates. We were able to prevent that from happening with our existing structure. But I think it's changing. And I think the last two years have really demonstrated how important these elections are. And the other thing I think that's so important is you can actually get things done at the state level. I mean, we got people back to work. I said this the other night when I was with you, you know, uh, it, it, it turns out that when you pay people to stay home, they stay home. You know, I mean, for heaven's sakes, let's get people back to work. Let's give them, you know, the dignity of having a job and a career. And so we reduced the number of 
month that they can be on unemployment. And, and just, we, you know, just common sense. People are so hungry for a leader that will implement common sense and, and fight and push back against this um, insanity that we're facing every single day from the chaos, overreaching crisis of the Biden administration and Democrats across this country. You know, it really is, Governor. And, and we see we see here it. It's so sad because you've got thousands of National Guardsmen who are facing oh. punishment, potential termination because they don't want to get vaccinated. They don't want to get a vaccine that's oh. not even stopping the spread of COVID. I mean, why are they being punished? I'm telling you, it's intentional. It's intentional. The fact, the insanity that they want to make people, you know, they mandate people to get a vaccine that want to go to work and stand up and fight for this country, but yet we're letting illegal immigrants flow across our southern border uh, and not mandate anything. And oh, by the way, it doesn't even prevent you from getting it. So, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's intentional. It's like the anti-energy policies that we're seeing implemented, uh, they are driving inflation and, and the, the, the uh, supply chain disruptions that we're seeing and, and it's all by design i can I, I just can only think that you know what whatever it takes whatever it costs their mission their goal is to fundamentally destroy this country as we know it and people are not going to take it we have I, I, we're just i'm getting ready to go into events in the last several that i've been at we had more people at these events than they had at their uh, democratic state convention last week people realize what's going on they are uh, they're they're tired of the insanity and the incompetency that they see coming out of this White House. They're tired of the, uh, the the weakness that's being demonstrated on the world stage, and and they're just they they are. I believe we just need to keep them engaged and motivated. I, I tell them every time I'm in front of a group, we can't take anything for granted. We can't lose sight of the fact that elections have consequences and how quickly and how bad things can get. So quickly. And so, if you know, if, if we show up, we win. But you have to show up. You have to hold us accountable. I'm okay for, I'm okay with that. But you got to get in there and you've got to let them know that enough is enough and we're not going to take it anymore. Because, you know, I am a, I've yet to see one person that I've talked to that thinks Putin's the reason that uh, our, our gas prices are skyrocketing and our, our price of groceries are, you know, going, you know, going up every single day. So, I don't know. <laughs> They no, think and, we're stupid. And, we're not. They, <laughs> we're they, not. They don't, don't believe your lying eyes, right? That's what the, this administration, that's what the media, they want to they blame parents for the formula shortage. They're just being too greedy. It's Putin's fault that the economy is tanking. It's never Biden's fault. There's nothing he did. But thankfully, we've got people like you, Governor. You, you've got an election in November, so Iowans, get out there and support Governor Reynolds. She's awesome. Uh, you know, Governor Reynolds, thank you so much for joining the show. And you've got an event to go to, but I just really appreciate your time. I really appreciate, you know, you putting the fight to them. Thank you. It's worth it. And I'm we're going to keep it up. So and we appreciate you, too. Thanks for helping us get the message out. We appreciate it. You got it, Governor. Thanks so much. You're awesome. I appreciate it. Have a great night. All right. So I think we're going to take a commercial break. Right. Yep. Commercial break. <laughs> I told you guys, I'm still kind of do with this. So, you know, cut me some slack here. All right. So we're taking commercial break. Then we're going to get your questions. I see you still on the line. Thanks so much for calling. If you haven't already, 877-377-4373. The question is simple. What's the biggest threat facing in the country right now? Stay with us. I've got an animal inside of me. This is Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show.
Right. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. I'm Lisa Booth, host of The Truth with Lisa Booth. But I guess you figured out I'm not Jesse because I don't sound like a dude, or at least hopefully I don't. <laughs> Anyways, isn't it Gov- Governor Kim Reynolds awesome? I-, I was just so impressed by her. Really cool for her to take the time tonight. She's awesome. But I promised you we would take your calls. I went a little too long during the, the beginning of the show, and I'm probably going too long now. So we're just going to get right into it start talking to people i've got alex from tennessee let's see what he's got to say hey alex are you with us yes ma'am hey alex so you know my question to, to everyone listening was you know what's the the biggest threat facing the country right now so so what do you say i believe there's two things um there's the dual justice system that we all see at play and what I mean by that is just like the nice governor who took the time to be with us this afternoon was talking about, she was talking about how she trusted her people with the pandemic. Well, the people doesn't trust the government. And whenever you have a government that is of, for, and by the people, it's very dangerous to play with their trust. And another thing is we were really looking forward, speaking as a Republican, to taking the House and the Senate in November and with I don't know a single person who says there shouldn't be an exception for rape as far as abortion goes. And our conscience is going to be playing with us at this ballot box because the Republican leadership refuses to leave one exception in there. And that's it. If they would just leave rape, we'd hold both the House and the Senate in a sweeping majority. But it puts us at risk. No, I see your point. But, you know, I mean... Is a life a life, though? You know, and is it is it a life regardless of the circumstance or how that life was made? You know, isn't a life a life? Me, myself, I believe that, yes. But yeah. speaking as someone who talks to other people, I don't know anyone who, whenever you bring up that conversation, their two exceptions are, you know, life of the mother and rape. And like I said... It's just not the time to be testing the public right now. We need the House and the Senate. The gas prices, the inflation, this is getting out of control. We need to take back the institutions. And right now, I don't feel like it's a time to be pushing that envelope. Well, you know, I, if they would I, yeah. just leave that one exception in there, we'd sweep it. No, I, I tend to, to veer on the... Yeah. Go ahead, and then I'm, I'm going to jump to the next caller, but I, w- I want to let you finish your thoughts, so, so go ahead, Alex. I'm sorry. I was just saying the bigger threat to me, though, is the dual justice system whenever we see people getting prosecuted to the full extent of the law for saying peacefully protest, and then the other ones are getting let off the hook without even inve- an investigation for saying burn it down. Yep. No, you nailed that one. I, I'm totally in agreement with you there, and I, I think it's something that frustrates everyone. So, Alex from Tennessee, appreciate your thoughts, sir. Uh, thanks for eloquently sharing them and, and sharing your time with me. So, I hope you have a great night. Thanks so much, sir. All right, so we are going to take uh, Jennifer from Florida. Are you with me? Yeah, I am. So, Hi, so Jennifer, Linda. Linda Wright. Lisa, but, cl- you know, it's close. You can call me Linda if you want. I, you know, whatever. But <laughs> so, Jennifer, you know, what is the biggest threat facing our country? Well, personally, I think that the biggest threat facing our country is the um, radicalization of our youth. And by that, I mean the college students. You know, I sent two conservatives off to college and they came home 
speaking a total different language from the language I sent them out speaking. And uh, when I asked one of my daughters, dang, what happened? And she, she just told me, you sent me to college. I learned something new. And, uh, and now lies have become truth. And truth has become a reason to put somebody in jail. I agree with the gentleman, too, that uh, the dual justice system is horrifying. But I think that this is all starting with, with our youth with our, our college students, with the things that they're learning, the socialism, be approving of socialism. Even though my daughter, my daughters are like, they love socialism, but they are capitalists from the get-go. I mean, they love doing their own thing and having their own say, but, but they're definitely willing to follow the crowd. Well, you know, absolutely. You know, but I mean, everyone's, you know, hopefully when they start, you know, paying taxes, get a little bit older, you know, they, they go back to, to the right. But, you know, to, to your point, I mean, we're, we're seeing this indoctrination, really this communism has infiltrated system. We, we've, it's infiltrated the military. It's infiltrated schools. I mean, it's even infiltrated the military. And it's really this cancer on our country that's sort of, you know, overtaking these institutions. So, you know, we got to fight back. We, we, we got to fight hard and, and we got to try to right this shit uh, before it's too late. I feel if we then the future is going to be bleak. Like yeah. if we leave it to be what as it is, like if people just keep turning their head and thinking, oh, they'll come back around, you know, maybe, no, I, you know, we're going to lose our future. We're going to, like Reagan said, freedom is just one generation away. Absolutely. And we're going to end it there. Jennifer, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts. I appreciate you calling in uh, and thank you so much. Take care. All right. So we've got about a minute to go. I just want to tee up the next hour. And thank you for calling. We're going to try to take calls later in the show as well. That was really interesting. I love hearing from you guys and just hearing, you know, what are your thoughts, right? In different parts of the country, what are the preeminent issues facing you that, that you're concerned about? So I appreciate you sharing that. You know, again, we're going to open calls later, but next hour we're going to get uh, Buck Sexton you know him the the co-host of the Buck Sexton and Clay show we're going to talk about what's going on with the National Guardsmen maybe that's why they're not getting recruits and then we're going to talk to Bobby Barak about with Outkick about the media so all that to look forward to stay with us quick commercial back on the other side If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. 
players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. banging my head to the music. So this is Lisa Booth. This is the Jesse Kelly show. Or I'm Lisa Booth filling in for Jesse Kelly, the host of The Truth with Lisa Booth. You can find my podcast on Apple. And the whole point of the podcast is to get to the truth, right? We live in this post-truth world. We live in this clown world where everyone's lying to us, whether it's the government whether it, or the media. And what we try to do is cut through that noise and bring you the truth. And, and we've been honored to have guests like Governor Ron DeSantis, President Trump, Tucker Carlson, you know, the list goes on. So you can find me, The Truth with Lisa Booth. Also, it rhymes, right? The Truth, my last name is Booth. So there's that too. But but you can find me on Apple Podcasts, iHeart, wherever you get your podcasts. Would, would greatly appreciate you going and checking that out. But I'm going to bring in my buddy, Buck Sexton, the co-host of The Clay and Buck Show. You know him. And we're going to talk about a couple issues that I'm really interested in right now. We've been talking in hour one. If you've been listening, we're now in hour two. We've been talking about the weaponization of government uh, against its own people, our government against us as, as Trump supporters, as, as conservatives, as people who don't maybe subscribe to the group think, the narrative that they want us to submit to, right? And because of that, we're seeing National Guardsmen also facing dismissal because they don't want to get a vaccine that doesn't stop the spread of COVID. And then what does that lead to? Military recruitment 
is at an all-time low right now, right? So you wonder why people don't want to sign up when they're being forced with these jabs in their arms for something that, you know, who knows what it does to you, right? So anyways, we're going to bring Buck Sexton in on all of these issues, get his take. He's so smart. He always has something interesting to say. So Buck Sexton, thanks so much for joining me tonight, my friend. Lisa, thank you. This is like a homecoming, by the way. You're speaking (laughs) to my my six to nine, my beloved six to nine Eastern nationally syndicated audience that has now uh, in the in been in the capable hands of the fantastic Jesse Kelly for a year. Jesse's doing an amazing job, and you and Jesse, two of my favorite people, we're bringing it all in together here. It's great. It's just a, it's a family, right? No, and, and and you've been a friend, and you know you're just an awesome dude. So I, I really appreciate you taking time tonight. You know, Buck, I'm sure you saw. I, I don't wouldn't blame you if you didn't watch the January 6th committee because it's stupid. However, I'm sure you saw the clips going around of. Cassidy Hutchinson. Is she the new Jussie Smollett or, or Amber Heard here? It's so interesting because as soon as she said this, you know, and, and uh, I was on I was on live with Clay uh, yesterday when this happened on, on our show, and when, meaning when the testimony came down, my first thought was, well, wh- why is she rep- why, why is she testifying to something that she didn't see? that we could very easily find out about from people who did witness it or, or, or who were there. So that's an enormous, uh, an enormous challenge for them right away. People are bringing up that this was hearsay. It clearly is, in legal terms, hearsay. But it, it also, for me, Lisa, went in that. So, so initially there's the process concern. But then you add to that that this isn't something that President Trump would have done. And it, it's, it goes in this long list of, you know, President Trump saying that people, the, that those who served and died, uh, served in the military and died fighting for their country were, quote, you know, losers or something. Remember they ran that story yep, in September 2020? Yep. And it's just all of us who know, you know Trump, I know Trump, and, and not just publicly, but also from, from talking to the guy. I mean, the, the one group of people that I'm, I'm, I'm darn sure Trump respects are, are military and, and, and law enforcement I mean, among others, but it's just astonishing all the lies they trot out. And, and that, that individual, I mean, she's going to get something out of this, uh, a Hutchinson, right? I mean, she, she's going to yeah. find herself on CNN a lot. And, and uh, you know, I spoke to some people in the White House under Trump about her. And I, I'm not trying to dig up dirt or something. I just want to know who is this person. It's, it's kind of a functionary. It's basically like uh, an executive assistant. And why are they turning to her when there are Secret Service agents in the car? So I, 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 I don't yeah. know. Maybe she did hear something from someone that sounded like this. But the point is, why are you going to the person that heard the thing from the other person who saw the thing when you should be asking the people who were there? But, of course, Lisa, we know they're not going to do that because Trump didn't try to strangle a Secret Service <laughs> agent. Give me a break. Well, I, I mean, but I think it like raises this question. Was there any effort? At all to vet her, like at all. Well, the, the, the the whole purpose of these hearings, and and I, I think everyone in, in your audience is is well aware of this has been from the very beginning. But it does it is worth reiterating. The whole purpose of the hearing is uh, is to uh, essentially further defame Donald Trump. I mean, it's really impeachment 3.0. Remember, they did 2.0 when he was a, a lame duck president. So he's on the way out. They, they rushed through, you know, impeachment as fast as they could. Um, and now they're on the third iteration of what are really Soviet-style show trials, right? I mean, just 
And th- that's why the, the show trial, um, you know, an analogy here I think is so apt. I mean, yes, Stalin had process for people. Stalin, I'm sure, would have even said he had due process. But the point was, and I'm not saying that the Democrats are purging millions of people the way Stalin did, but the point of, of that illusion of process was to bring about a specific outcome that was what the regime wanted, right, at that point in time. In a, in a, different, a different sense, obviously different severity, that's the point of the current January 6th show trial. It's, it's not to get to the truth. It's not to make things uh, more secure at the Capitol, anything like that. There, there is a liberal fixation still. The left, the libs are obsessed with now a former president. I think it's because they, one, want to make sure that he can't run again. Right. Um, and two, I think, I think, Lisa, given the oncoming, uh, the oncoming electoral train of annihilation that the Democrats are facing right now, this is like their safe space. This is, oh, well, maybe Biden is a buffoon who's clearly past uh, being able to even do this job cognitively and inflation and the economy and the border and crime and all these problems, the biggest war in Europe since World War II. It's a total disaster, but at least it's not the January 6th insurrection. And I know to everyone listening, that's going to sound so absurd, but that really is the mentality. I mean, these are people who thought that Donald Trump colluded with Russia. And then when that was proven false, they didn't even care. They just move on to the next thing. Well, but, but, you know, you mentioned purging earlier. I mean, there is a purge underway, though. I mean, if you look at what's happening in the military, you look at these National Guard soldiers, these Army Reserve soldiers who still aren't or they're still unvaccinated. They don't want to get the COVID vaccine. Right. And they're being punished. Right. And they could face removal as well. So, I mean, is that just an attempt to, to purge conservatives and purge people for wrong think from the military? Yeah, well, I just I was drawing the distinction, which you know I'm a, I'm a history. I'm actually not just a general history guy. I find the history of totalitarian regimes particularly fascinating. Well, that's um, that's so, worthwhile so, in the world we live in today. Yeah, <laughs> that's some well, useful information, my friend. <laughs> yeah, it's instructive about how these things all, all come together. But just Stalin's purges obviously involved the execution, I know, liquidation I know, I know, of millions of okay, people. Okay, all right, so, fair, all right know, Buck, all right. Be, well, I tell you, I speak to Jesse on his show, and somehow we always have too much fun, and I say something, and the libs, you know, Media Matters comes after me. So I'm just, that was my proviso, right? I'm like, okay, that you. was my, my preface. You know, okay, I understand it's different. To your point, though, the, the essential point about, about uh, the purge going on of, employment uh, or the lack there, you know, the, the expulsion from employment in, in the military side. Uh, I mean, this is outrageous. Um, it's outrageous even be, it was outrageous before we had the mountains of evidence and data that we can all observe and see that now it's, they're firing people from the military and they've already done a lot of this, but they're continuing to fire people from the military for refusal to take an ongoing regimen of shots that is effectively no has no effect really on stopping spread and has uh, a a minimal if any effect at all for people outside the high risk age group for preventing hospitalization and death beyond let's say a 2 to 3 month period that's what the data actually shows now firing people for that is just now an act of authoritarianism and spite and there's a lot of spitefulness from the Fauciites, Lisa. I mean, one of the things that brought us together ideologically, I think, more than anything else, was, you know, you were 
fiercely anti-Fauci and the lockdowns and all that stuff early on, right? I mean, it, you know, there was Thank the first you. couple of weeks of the pandemic, and then, and, and I, I remember looking at people like you and, and, and others who were very vocal about this. And as a new, you know, you're a former New Yorker now because of this. I'm probably soon to be a former New Yorker now because of this. I'm still here in New York City. But what they did was just, not only was it wrong from a separation of powers and limitations of government perspective, it was wrong from a science perspective. I mean, they screwed the whole thing up. It's not even like they trampled on our rights and kept us safe. They fired first responders. They fired nurses and doctors and, as you you point out, military for refusing to take a shot that didn't even work the way it was promised. So what are we even doing here? People who thought they were a lot smarter than they are would rather end other people's careers because they can than admit that they were wrong. And that's what this really comes down to. Buck, you're the best. As he mentioned, I fled communist New York, came to free Florida. And as a result of all this, what we're talking about, the, the push for the vaccine among, you know, some of the woke stuff being infiltrated in the military. NBC found that only nine, this was an internal defense department survey, only 9% of those young Americans eligible to serve in the military have any inclination to do so, the lowest number since 2007. I wonder why, right? Let's just take a wild guess. Buck Sexton, you're the best. I appreciate your time, my friend. uh, And thanks so much for for joining me and making me feel comfortable uh, since I'm still kind of new at this. So I really appreciate Lisa, you the time tonight, my honored, friend. Honored to get a chance to talk to you on the show and uh, just take take good care of my uh, my six to nine syndicated <laughs> people. I, I'm doing my best, you know. So thanks, Buck. You're the best. Have a great night. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break and then back on the other side. Stay with us. So much more to get to. Welcome back to the Jesse Kelly Show. I'm Lisa Booth, host of The Truth with Lisa Booth. And I'm sure you're listening earlier, but Buck Sexton had mentioned that, you know, I was really one of the ones speaking out against all this COVID nonsense from the beginning. And that's really what my podcast, The Truth with Lisa Booth, was born out of, right? Like I was sitting there during COVID just being like everyone's lying, right? Everyone's lying to us. And the media was just pushing the same groupthink narrative, uncritically, not even questioning it. Pushing lies after lies. The CDC lied to us. The FDA lied to us. Joe Biden lied to us. They all lied to us. And you can go back to the beginning. I remember I read an op-ed by Dr. John Enides of Stanford. He wrote an op-ed in Stat News back in March of 2020, right? That's the beginning of all of this. And he said, this is a fiasco in the making. And he said, we are making decisions without reliable data. And the point he was making is like the only people we were testing were essentially people showing up at the hospital potentially die. We're missing cases out there by like 10 to 65 fold. And so what that means is if we're missing these cases, we actually don't know what the fatality rate is. It was totally skewed. We thought it was much higher than it actually was. And we could have gotten that better data. And they chose not to. They chose not to until later. And you had states doing this. You had schools like Stanford doing this with those uh, seroprevalence studies and, and trying to get to, you know, how many people have actually been infected with COVID? What's the true fatality rate? How, how scared should we be of this thing? Right. So how can you make broad public policy decisions without that information? But they did it anyways. You know, and and you could even go back to May of 2020. Right. There was data from New York. 100 hospitals showed that 66 percent of the new admissions were people who were at home. So what was the point of lockdowns? May of 2020. And now we know that those lockdowns were garbage. Right. We know that in part because people like Governor DeSantis led the way, stood strong. So showed us that there was another way the free that freedom was away, right? And, and you look at Florida's in pretty middle of the pack in, in terms of deaths, even though they kept 
Governor DeSantis kept Florida free, which is one of the reasons why I fled New York and came down to Florida. Yeah, and we know now that lockdowns only reduce deaths by 0.2%, something like 1,800 people, right? Yet more than 100,000 Americans died of overdoses during the 12 months following COVID. And then they came and they lied to us about the vaccines. You, you Joe Biden say this. All right, well, I, I think we, we had the sound, but the sound basically, Joe Biden's sitting there at this. Okay, let's play it. Not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. If you're vaccinated, you're not going to be hospitalized. You're not going to be in an ICU unit and you're not going to die. So that was a lie. And Joe Biden knew it was a lie. Okay, because this was July of 2020. And the reason why we know this was a lie is remember those Texas Democrats who came to D.C.? Right. You know, they, they came, they had pictures of I think it was Michelob Blight. You know, we're so cool. We're going to D.C. Yeah. You know, we're going to fight the fight with election stuff. All this different stuff. Well, they came with Michelob Blight. They returned with COVID or Corona, right? Because they ended up getting COVID. They turned it into a super spreader event. That had happened before Joe Biden took the stage in front of you, in front of Americans, and told you that if you got the vaccine, you wouldn't get COVID. He knew it was a lie. You know why else he knew it was a lie? The CDC had a study that examined an outbreak that happened July 3rd in Provincetown, Massachusetts, involving 469 cases, 75% of the cases in that outbreak occurred in fully vaccinated people, right? So at this time, when he took the stage, he looked you in the eye and he said, if you got vaccinated, you wouldn't get COVID. Lies. All lies. But you know what's even worse than that? Guess what he did after this? That's when he forged ahead in September with trying to force you, trying to force Americans to get vaccinated. Remember that? He tried to push employers into forcing vaccines, it would have been applied to something like 100 million Americans, like almost two thirds of workers. I mean, we're still seeing the impact on a lot of our military people. As we, we've been talking in the show about these National Guard members. So they lied. You know, most vaccines have five to 10 years of safety data. This had less than a year. mRNA is new in the way they're using it, but they use the fog of war to bring it to the market. And they lied to you because they wanted you to go out and get it. And if they were honest with you, maybe you would have decided not to. You know, so the government's lying to us, right? And, and then you go back to it was September. I think this was uh, 2021. The CDC actually changed the definition of what it means to be vaccinated. They changed the definition. If it doesn't meet the truth, just change it, right? Contort it. You know, previously, vaccination meant producing immunity. But because the vaccines didn't do that, they, they changed it to just merely providing protection. Similarly, Webster change the definition of what it means to be an anti-vaxxer. Previously, it stated it meant to be a person who opposed the use of vaccines uh, or regulations mandating vaccinations. Now it it says a person who opposes the use of vaccines or or regulations mandating vaccination. Right. And and they changed it because Joe Biden's, you know, uh, uh, vaccine regulations, it's lawless. Right. And then they changed the definition of vaccine because these vaccines don't produce immunity in the way that traditional vaccines produce immunity. But you know who's getting rich in all this? Big Pharma. They're getting rich. I mean, you look at natural immunity. They just glossed over that. Something we've always known to be true. They glossed over it because there's not a natural immunity lobby. You know, no one's going to lobby on behalf of natural immunity to the government, to, to these members of Congress. There's no there's no natural immunity lobby, but there is for Big Pharma. Big Pharma is getting rich and they're still trying to, to jab you 
right now there's one of Omicron, you know, like too little late, bud, right? But they're still going to try to force it down your arm, force it down your throat. Because if you really think about it, it's about submission. You know, when I came out against vaccines, I wrote an op-ed in Newsweek. I referenced that earlier about why I'm not getting vaccinated. I'm young. I'm healthy. It's not a threat to me. I've had it twice, right? So, like, sorry, I'm still standing, much to the dismay of a lot of these people, right? But they labeled me an anti-vaxxer. That's what they do. They smear you when you don't submit. But I'm not going to submit. I know you're not going to submit. I'm not going to take these lies. I'm not going to submit to these lies because we have to stand tall for the truth especially in this post-truth era where they're redefining language, they're redefining words for control. So that's not what we're going to do. We're going to stand tall for the truth. Stay with us. Commercial break real quick. Back with the Jesse Kelly Show on the other side. This is the... I love that song. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. I'm Lisa Booth, the host of The Truth with Lisa Booth. So I, I talked a little bit earlier about all the lies we've been told by the media. We're going to get into it with my friend, Bobby Burke, although I think I'm butchering his last name, so we're going to ask about that too, of OutKick. He is writing amazing columns, turning them out every week, just talking about a lot of this woke stuff that's ruining the country, really ruining media institutions as well. Bobby, my friend, thanks so much for coming on the show. Lisa, I appreciate you having me. And actually, you might be the first one to ever get my last name right. No matter how many times I tell a host how to pronounce it, they never get it right. So kudos to you for just having the instincts to pronounce it right. Well, see, this makes me feel good because you're actually my friend. So I'm like, I can't get your name wrong. <laughs> like, so I'm so glad I got it right. Uh, you know, you're awesome. You're, you're always writing these great columns for OutKick, really just covering you know, the, the media and how, how terrible it is, right? And the the ins and outs, a lot of this woke stuff that's infiltrated the mili- the uh, the media that's really ruined it. You know, so, I mean, has the media become more dishonest or have they just always been dishonest? Yes, I think the media is such a fascinating conversation in the political landscape, the cultural divide, because as much as we can say, well, the media doesn't matter and they're losing influence, the media proves to be incredibly influential every time there's a big story. I mean, when the decision for Roe v. Wade came down last Friday, people flocked to whether it is social media or cable news or newspapers or websites, but that's all the former media. So they're getting information from people that they otherwise don't have. And the problem is they're not getting honest information. And this goes beyond just the way they cover certain presidents and stuff that maybe after an election don't really matter. But the way they portray some recent stories, particularly Roe v. Wade, I think is just stunning. Um, I'm actually writing a column right now about the way they are covering Clarence Thomas. And I've read all these articles about the, his involvement in the piece. And Lisa, I can't believe what I have uncovered. I mean, there's a thing in the New York Times right now basically saying that Clarence Thomas has had a devious plan to take over the bodies of women for 30 years, and now this is his moment, so we better watch out. I mean, that is such a dishonest take about what is going on. I think the most prevalent example is the way the media covers mass shootings. I mean, here's a number for you. Did you know that... Um, looking over the top 12 outlets as far as engagement in the country, they cover white shooters 
at a seven to one ratio over black shooters. That a uh, survey found from Free Beacon that if there's a black mass shooter, these media outlets don't even mention the race of the subject until the middle of the paragraph. So this is manipulation of the conversation and the narrative. And quite frankly, what it does is it just gives people bad information and incites fear and rage. Well, you know, I mean, how much of this is just the fact that you look at all these newsrooms? I mean, they're just they're full of lefties, right? You've got all these people and they don't even try to hide their their bias either. So, I mean, it's almost like. This is just what they believe, right? Like, it doesn't matter what the truth is. It's like they're all just, you know, pushing out their opinion. Yeah, this is such a good question because I've thought about this a lot. Why does the media attract the same type of people like the Taylor Lorenz and Oliver Darcy? Oh, God, we'll world? get to her. Are very right that they just, you know, go along to get along and, you know, work for people under them and are willing to smear anybody. What draws it? Is it because the media is not rewarding now? Does it just draw in some of the most unindependent, unoriginal thinkers possible. But you're absolutely right. I think it comes down to is that people in these newsrooms, they're not curious, they're not brave, and they're not worried about the truth. They're worried about, I think, furthering their status, about getting invited to the right Christmas parties. And ultimately, they just want to be liked on Twitter and get retweets and like me. Lisa, you know, their stances that you can take on Twitter right now that are going to get a journalist hundreds of retweets, like saying, where's your mask? Or, you know, um, this is a, uh, an attack on women. That stuff works online. So it encourages them to do that. I always say, when Twitter becomes your target audience, you have what you have in the media right now, which is just an imbalance of opinions. Well, and too, I mean, I, I think what's dangerous about the moment we live in now is, I mean, the media is just an extension of the Biden administration, right? They're just a propaganda arm of the left, and they're don't—they're not critical of any issue, right? You look at the vaccine mandates; they pushed that uncritically. You look at this transgender stuff; they're, they're browbeating people with this. You know, I mean, so like, why aren't, why isn't there any pushback whatsoever in in the media on some of these issues? Yeah, it's so wild because there any, any skeptic that says that the Democrat Party and the media is not hand in hand, how do you explain that they always arrive on the same target or a boogeyman? Um, right now, everybody's going after Clarence Thomas. A month ago, the entire Democratic Party and the media was going after Elon Musk. So the fact that they always arrive on the same bad guy, the same villain, just shows you how closely aligned they actually are. Um, that's a great question. Why aren't there more people who push back? And I think the reason is, is that they're scared. You could answer almost any question in the media with fear. They're afraid to push back, right? Um, going after Kamala Harris, you immediately get bombarded with you're racist or you're sexist. And then these journalists don't have the confidence to believe that their bosses would have their back. It's so much easier to go after the same people over and over again. It's a lot easier and advantageous to pile on than to start your own battle. And these people have no ambitions to start their own battle. So they just keep going after the same people. And so you're absolutely right. There's if you look at the major outlets, I don't know if there's a single person right now that's willing to go against the grain. And I think it just shows you how far we've just lost the connection between the media and the common person who probably mostly disagrees with some of these stances.
Well, and to that point, I'm glad you brought that up because you do look at this disconnect, right? You look at the fight between Governor DeSantis and not backing down against Disney. I mean, Governor DeSantis was, you know, attacked ruthlessly by the media, right? They basically try to make it seem like Governor DeSantis was completely in the wrong when, in, in fact, like, why does Disney deserve this special treatment, right? Like, the quality is like knocking that Disney down to a peg, you know, along with every other company in Florida. But to that point of the disconnect, Chris Rufo tweeted this yesterday about Disney. He tweeted that Disney's stock plummeted by $40 billion. Its favorability rating dropped from 77 to 33%. Its new Buzz Lightyear film was a massive flop. And Governor Ron DeSantis stripped the company of its special privileges, as I pointed out earlier. He goes on to say it's been a rough year for the mouse. So sort of showing this disconnect between where the media stood and and where American people actually stand. Yeah, absolutely. And this extends to Hollywood just as much as it does media. You brought up the failure of Buzz Lightyear, which was a movie that they thought was a good idea to have two women kiss to send a message to children in the theaters. But at the same time that that one flopped, Top Gun Maverick, which was a movie that didn't get all that political, actually celebrated America. It wasn't preachy. That one broke box office records and was Tom Cruise's highest grossing movie already. Um, there's a long list of things um, from CNN Plus to award shows to late night to certain films to sitcoms to CNN and MSNBC. It seems like the more these companies lean into what a lot of people consider like a woke worldview, the more they fail. So you have to ask yourself, are they catering to people or are they catering to themselves? Because based on the numbers, they're making bad business decisions because the vast majority of people just don't align with any of this stuff. Well, you know, and I think they're catering to the themselves to that point. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. I, I took my dad to go see Top Gun the last time I was home. I always try to spend some individual time with both my mom and my dad and also time together with them. But I took him to Top Gun and his heart was racing so high his Apple Watch like set off a warning because, <laughs> you know, it was intense. But it, it was a great movie. Everyone should go out and see Top Gun. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, Bobby. You're the best. You mentioned a Clarence Thomas op-ed. When's that going to be out? Where can people go find your work? And if they want to read that, which I'm sure they do after listening to you speak tonight. Hey, I appreciate it. Yeah, so it's going to be an OutKick uh, tomorrow morning at some time. So, yeah, right. I encourage people to come to OutKick. We cover a lot of different things from politics to culture to media to sports. So, yeah, I think it um, should be an interesting piece. And I think more than anything, people are going to come away amazed about the degree they've gone right now to destroy this guy. I think it's as alarming as it'll be interesting. Yep. All right. Well, you heard it there. Everyone go out and, and read his column, right? Bobby Burke, OutKick. Bobby, you're the best. I appreciate your time tonight. Thanks so much, and, and we'll talk soon. Hey, Lisa, thanks so much, and congratulations on all the success this year. Oh, thank you, my friend. So I, I'm sure if you've been paying attention to the show, you've heard Jesse talk about the hero non-lethal gun. You know, for months he's been telling you about it. He got this not-hero non-lethal gun from Hero2020.com. Hero has engineered a more powerful solution than pepper spray in a can, the Hero 2020 is about the size of your mobile phone and fires high-speed projectiles at over 100 miles per hour that explodes on contact, creating a painful impact and strong pepper irritant cloud that is several times stronger than pepper spray and surrounds the would-be attacker. It only takes a few minutes to learn how to use and with a laser sight ensures that you never miss. 
Does not require a concealed carry permit either. This is perfect for anyone who wants to protect themselves and don't feel comfortable carrying a traditional handgun. The Hero 2020 will stop an attack and no one dies. Do what Jesse did and protect yourself and your loved ones. Go get a Hero 2020 today at Hero2020.com. You can use his coupon code JESSE for a special discount. You know how to spell his name. J-E-S-S-E. That's Hero20.com. Once again, Hero20.com. State restrictions may apply, so you might want to check that out. We're going to head to a commercial break. Back on the other side. Stay with us. I've got an animal inside of me. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. about to sing so I'm, I'm glad I was just told that we're hot because I, I highly doubt anyone wants to hear that I'm a terrible singer uh, so this is the Jesse Kelly show I'm Lisa Booth the host of the truth with Lisa Booth you can find my podcast anywhere you find podcast and and the whole point of my podcast is to get to the truth I mean how many times are you watching TV or you're reading something and you just ask yourself am I being told the truth is this the truth or, or just frustrated that people in the media aren't willing to call balls and sti- strikes, aren't willing to be brave on issues like vaccines or even this transgender stuff we're saying. Right. I mean, we really live in this post-truth world. I mean, you've got teachers in America telling little boys they can be girls, little girls they can be boys. You've got the, the assistant secretary for health, Rachel Levine, is, is a guy who says he's a woman. You know, but you're not allowed to say that. No, 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 no. Probably going to get me in trouble even just saying that, right? You see, the Babylon Bee was locked out of Twitter last March for awarding Rachel Levine the man of the year. You know, they did it in response as a joke to USA Today naming Levine it's one of its women of the year, which is ludicrous. You know, so we've got news outlets pushing this stuff, right, uh, uh, uncritically. And CEO Seth Dillon of the Babylon Bee, good for him. He's standing strong. Even months later, he's saying, we're not going to delete anything, right? Truth is not hate speech. And he, he says, if the cost of telling the truth is the loss of our Twitter account, then so be it. So good for him for standing tall for the truth. You've got leading transgender health groups right now lowering the recommendation for the minimum age for kids to get medical help transitioning. Like puberty blockers can start at 14. Some surgeries at 15? Teenagers. We're talking about babies, right? (laughs) Babies. I mean, how insane is that? You know, the New York Post actually did a really interesting article not too long ago uh, talking to some people who have detransitioned, right? And and, and you've got this one girl who was 12 years old at the time she decided she was transgender. And what she told the New York Post was, I was failed by the system. I literally lost organs. So at 13, this girl, Chloe, she came out to her parents. Uh, That same year, she was put on puberty blockers and prescribed testosterone. At 15, she underwent a double mastectomy. Less than a year later, just a year later than that, she realized she had made a horrible mistake all by the time she was 16. Damage done. Double mastectomy. Damage done. How do you reverse that? And how does a 15-year-old consent to a double mastectomy? I mean, what would you think of a parent who went and got a 15-year-old breast implants? Would that be okay? Would that be okay? You know, and, and we're seeing this huge jump, right? You know, the, the New York Post also talks about some of these figures saying, you know, it's really hard to sort of drill down. 
But, you know, but they look at between 2009 to 2019, children being referred for transition treatment in the United Kingdom increased 1000 percent among men. 4,400% among biological females. They note that the number of young people identifying as transgender in the U.S. has almost doubled since 2016. They also interviewed this other girl, H- Helena Kirshner, I think is her, her name, 23 years old, uh, now from Cincinnati, Ohio. She said that when she first started thinking about this at 14, it was because of stuff she read on Tumblr. It, w- it was the internet. You know, she she was kind of looking for a place of acceptance. She was having a hard time in the world, not really feeling accepted, and and the media preyed on or the the internet preyed on her rather tumblr you know and and she went on to say that there was a lot of negativity around being cis which is you know cis heterosexual white girl she says and those message really really you know she took them really really personally you know so so there's almost so much societal pressure on this and and shouldn't there be a little bit more caution you know, when you're talking about 15-year-olds getting a double mastectomy, I mean, shouldn't there be a little bit more caution? Like, why Why is the media, why are those on the left, why, why full steam ahead on this? We're destroying young people's bodies. We're telling them a lie. Right? We're, we're creating this post-truth world, and the reality is the reason why they want you to accept this is if they can browbeat you into submission— on not even accepting basic biology, something you've learned your entire life, you grew up learning in school, we all did. If they can browbeat you to submit to this lie, what can't they browbeat you into submitting to? What can't they convince you of? What can't they force you to believe, force you to accept? That's the whole point. That's the whole point of this. They want to create this this gray area where truth doesn't matter. And if truth doesn't matter, they control you. They control society. If you control narrative, you you control society. And that's what it's really about, you know. And, and this is really culturally taking off, which means there's going to be more and more young people destroying their bodies because it's being affirmed by the media. It's being affirmed by the left. It's being affirmed by people in charge. They're preying on young people who are, are, are confused, going through difficult times in their lives, as these people I mentioned that the, the New York Post had interviewed. These young people going through difficult times in their life, just trying to figure out, who, who, you know, who am I? Right? Who am I? A- and they're being preyed on. And, like, what does that say about a society if we don't stand up for kids? What does it say about a society that preys on the most vulnerable among us, if we have any duty as a country, if we have any duty as human beings, it's to protect the most vulnerable. It's to protect these kids who are being preyed on. You know, and, and it just, I find it infuriating that this is just being pushed so hard. It's being pushed so uncritically when we as an adult have a duty and an obligation to tell the truth. And, you know, I don't know if you've watched uh, What is a Woman by Matt Walsh, The Daily Wire. I watched it. It was incredible. Everyone should go out and and watch it. You know, it does cost a little bit of money. I know it's hard times right now, but I I really I found it so worthwhile. It was so good. And and he just really nailed these points. And, uh, you know, we got to do better as a society. I I mean, this is just unacceptable. We got to stand up for the kids. Stay with us. The Jesse Kelly Show. I'm Lisa Booth. Stay with us.
is the Jesse Kelly Show. I'm Lisa Booth, the host of The Truth with Lisa Booth. It's such an honor to fill in for my friend Jesse. He's such an awesome guy. He's a lot of fun, too. I've gotten to know him recently. He's just a really good dude. I've also met his wife, Aubrey. She's lovely. She's awesome as well. Jesse actually had one of my favorite quotes of any guest I've ever had on my podcast. We were talking about Pride Month. And he goes, you can't go buy a pack of Oreos without getting waterboarded with gay stuff. And it's so true, right? Like it's everywhere except for Saudi Arabia, right? Like they don't, they don't put this stuff in in the the countries where, you know, they, they like kill homosexuals, but uh, you know, it's, it's everywhere here. Right. So, uh, you know, that's kind of a a farce too with, with the, the lies that the, you know, these uh, companies do. But anyways, so we've been talking a lot tonight. We're on hour three uh, it's been a lot of fun touching on a lot of the big issues. I had asked you earlier in the show, and we took some questions. We're going to do it again on what is the biggest issue facing the country? What is the biggest threat facing the country right now? We're going to get into those calls just a little bit. You can call 877-377-4373. Again, 877-377-4373. We're going to take your calls here in a bit. But for me, the biggest issues we're facing, I, I believe... One, we've got the loss of liberty, right? We, we saw that during COVID, locking down people, shutting down businesses without their will, right? Allowing rioters to go damage cities, burn set cities on fire, kill people. I mean, dozens of people died during, during that, you know, summer of love, right? The summer of riots. Uh, you know, so we've got the loss of liberty, the forcing vaccines on Americans when we don't even have the average five to 10 years of safety data for these, right? We have no idea. And we're never going to know that these companies are have complete liability. They're completely protected from any vaccine injury or death. Yeah. So, so we've got that loss of Liberty. We've got that issue. And then we've also got the weaponization of government. I'm going to get into the January 6th committee here in a little bit, but we've seen the weaponization of government uh, against, you know, Trump, right? Against Trump supporters. Even what happened with January 6th, you've got people who entered the Capitol who are, you know, essentially being called insurrectionists, you know, terrorists, more or less, right? They're they're being thrown in, in prison because of that. And, and then we've got this post-truth world we live in where, where all we get is lies, right? We've got people telling us that boys can be girls, girls can be boys. We are told to set aside basic truths and just submit, just submit to the narratives we're being told. Just shut up and submit. That's what they want. Because for the left, it's about power. I mean, a lot of these people, they don't have a religion, right? They're not very religious. You could just look at polling, right? That's not just me saying that. I mean, that's what surveys say. That's what studies say. So the religion is power. That's what they believe. And I want to get to the January 6th committee hearings, because I don't know if you watched yesterday. But there's this girl, Cassidy Hutchinson. She is a, a former staffer to, to Mark Meadows. Uh, you know him as the, the former chief of staff to President Trump. You know, let's let's listen to what she had to say. President had very strong, very angry response to that. Um, Tony described him as being irate. The president said something to the effect of, I'm the effing president take me up to the Capitol now. To which Bobby responded, sir, we have to go back to the West Wing. The president reached up towards the front of the vehicle to grab at the steering wheel. Mr. Engel grabbed his arm, said, sir, you need to take your hand off the steering wheel. We're going back to the West Wing. We're not going to the Capitol. 
Well, it, it just so you know, she didn't actually witness this herself, right? It's it's hearsay. But it also turns out to, to not be true. And what's hilarious about this is the January 6th committee, this was a special hearing. They weren't supposed to have this hearing. It wasn't on the books. This was a special hearing. It was billed as this bombshell. This is the time the, the walls are officially closing in on Trump, right? Remember these people? How many times they've said this? Listen. It's really the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. He may be feeling the walls closing in on him. All the walls closing in on him. The walls closing in on him. Breaking news, a new bombshell. One astrologer says this means the beginning of the end for President Donald Trump. The beginning of the end of the Trump presidency. Trump will resign. Trump is going to resign. Is this the tipping point? I know we've said it over and over. You think this is a tipping point? And over and over. This is a tipping point. And over and over. Breaking news, President Trump off the rails. It was the beginning of the end today. The beginning of the end. It reminds me a lot of the last days of Nixon. Breaking news tonight, new bombshell. This is the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end. The walls are closing in. The walls closing in. The walls closing in. Yeah, so we've got the walls are closing in, people. The beginning of the end. So they, they take this drum beat, right? They, they take the bait. Right, they take Liz Cheney's bait, who's who's a rhino, who's got a primary on August sixteenth. So let's pray that she goes down in, in a ball of fiery flames in the, in the primary. But they take the bait, and it turns out the stories are farce, right? And we even have lefties in the media, liberals in the media, like NBC's chief White House correspondent Peter Alexander, saying, "Look, a source close to the Secret Service says that these agents involved that they're they're willing to testify under oath that neither man was assaulted." And that Mr. Trump never lunged for the steering wheel. But what's hilarious is, like, if you heard her story, wouldn't most people be like, that seems pretty implausible. But these people hate him so much. They want to damage him so much. They just had this blind hatred for him. that They're willing to go with anything. They're, they didn't even vet this person, right? They just put her on stand, on the stand. And what's sad is a lot of people are probably going to believe her lies. They might not see what the NBC chief White House uh, correspondent had to say about they might they might have not seen that this is lying. That's the point, right? They're they're intentionally lying. They're trying to get people to believe this false narrative. It doesn't matter about the truth. They're not in it for the truth. They're they're in it for the lies and they're in it for the destruction. I mean, because that's the whole point of the January sixth committee. It's to bring people down. It, it's to scare people. It's to send chills down your spine. To make you think twice about supporting President Trump. And, and if you're someone like President Trump, maybe you're a business guy that wants to come in, shake things up. Maybe you're a governor who wants to take on the establishment and shake things up. The point is to send a message to those people, to us, maybe think twice. Right. And there's also another bit of her testimony that wasn't true either. Right. Like, so she testified under oath that there was this handwritten note that she wrote and it was basically Mark Meadows dictating, you know, the, to write this statement uh, as these events unfolded, turned out she wasn't the one that wrote the note. It was the former White House lawyer, Eric Hirschman, who who said that he was actually the one who wrote it, right? So you get the January 6th committee built on a throne of lies, all lies, but they don't care. They want you to believe the narrative. And sadly, you know, half the country probably is, right? Half the country is probably not going to think twice. They, they just want to believe anything bad about Trump. The truth doesn't matter. And, you know, and a lot of us paying attention to this stuff are like, well, you know, why haven't they been able to find the person who laid the pipe bombs at the DNC and the RNC? You know, if the FBI is putting this kind of effort into it, I mean, you can find someone, you know, just their face briefly on camera. You know, maybe they they, they took a tour of the Capitol or, or whatever. They can find that person. 
but you can't find the person who laid the pipe bombs. Like, wouldn't that take priority? But we know why, right? It was probably a Fed, just like the Feds were involved in the, in the Gretchen uh, Whitmer kidnapping plot. But the whole point, again, is to send that chill down your spine to make you fear the government, to make you think twice about your beliefs, to punish you for wrong think. And you look what they've done. They put Peter Navarro in chains. Steve Bannon? Trump's former campaign lawyer, John Eastman, was just on Tucker talking about having his phone seized by FBI agents, and they took it before before showing him the warrant. Listen to what he had to say to Tucker. The Fourth Amendment's very clear here. Uh, when they search and seize your property, they have to give a particular description of the things to be seized. And, and saying it's identified in the affidavit, if they don't attach the affidavit, doesn't qualify. The courts have been very clear about that. So this, this warrant is invalid on its face. Um, but more importantly, and I, and I think this is extremely important, the, the authority to seize all of my information in modern, modern smartphones, that's access to all my private financial records. I'm an attorney. It's access to all my privileged communications with nearly 100 different clients that I have currently. All, this stuff, this stuff uh, is what we used to call a general warrant that the British king issued to just go rummage through somebody's belongings to see if they could find evidence of some crime. The very reason we have the Fourth Amendment is to prevent that kind of abuse. And yet that's what they're doing here. I mean, we know what he's guilty of. Wrong think. He's guilty of questioning the 2020 election. But these people can question the election, right? Nancy Pelosi can tweet that the, the 2016 election was hijacked. Stacey Abrams can say that she's still the governor uh, of Georgia, right? So they're allowed to do it, but you're not allowed to do it. If you're a conservative, you are not allowed to question the 2020 election. No, no, no. You're not allowed to. And, and you know, I've been thinking a lot about this as, as we head into this July 4th weekend, as we head into Independence Day. Like, what's the point of America, right? Like, what are we all about? Just looking at our nation's foundings. And if you look at it, the American Revolution was really sparked by the 1765 Stamp Act. Right. I think the sugar tax was a year before. But the reason this tax mattered was it was a direct tax on the 13 colonies. And these colonies had largely had self-governance. So here you have the heavy hand of the British government coming in and trying to dictate their way of life. And then, of course, you had a, you know, a series of things that you know, came after that, a series of aggression from uh, the British government, you know, Townshend Acts, the, the Tea Act, the Intolerable Acts, right? The list goes on and, and it escalated. But it was over the rule of government. And, and you look at what we put up with from our own government. You know, you, you look at how far away we have come from that, vi- that vision. We're not supposed to fear our own government. I mean, they're supposed to fear us. We, the people, we're in charge. You know, but if you're sitting at home, you know, ask yourself, do you fear the government? I, I, I mean, I think, I think we all do, you know, a, a little bit, right? I, I mean, we see what's going on. And the threats to America right now, it, it's not external. It's all internal. It's all the things that are going on internally as a country. And the media so desperately wants January 6th to be a coup, but one is actually sitting underneath their nose that they're missing. I mean, mean, look at what happened during the Trump years, right? Look what happened to candidate Trump. Look what happened to President-elect Trump. Look what happened to when he was president. 
You look at what happened internally, right? You've got the administrative state, the deep state, working against him. You had people like former attorney, uh, FBI attorney Kevin Kleinsmith literally doctoring emails to make it look like Carter Page is an agent of Russia, not working with the United States government, which he was. He was he was a source of the CIA. He was a government source. Right? You get the FBI and the DOJ weaponizing Hillary Clinton opposition research, which was Russian disinformation. You, you look at the fact, what did Jim Comey do? Right? He, he briefed President-elect Trump on January 6, 2016, just on the salacious details of the dossier. And you ask yourself, well, why would he do that? Well, because the media knew it was unsubstantiated, so they couldn't run with it. So what happened was his meeting with Trump then allowed the media to publish the dossier in full. Funny how that works, right? little coordination, wouldn't you think, right? You look at the final days of the, the Trump administration, you got General Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, subverting the military chain of command and talking directly to the Chinese government. Right. And of course, the Hillary Clinton campaign didn't get this treatment. Right. They, they could bleach bit emails. They could destroy evidence with hammers. Right. You know, they, they got they got immunity to talking to the FBI. They lied. It didn't matter. Right. So the real coup has been under our nose the entire time. Right. It, it, it's been against Trump. We know that we saw it. But all they do is lie. They, they did the same lies with Charlottesville as well. Remember, they, they, they said Trump was on the side of the neo-Nazis and the KKK. He explicitly condemned them. He quite literally said, I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. That's in that same speech that he was crucified over. And like, let's take a listen to what Trump said at the January 6th rally, shall we? I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Peacefully and patriotically, right? They, they always forget that part. You know, yet you got you know, Maxine Waters, all these different people on the left trying to stir things up, saying crazy things, right? Telling people to get more confrontational in the streets, all these different things, right? But it's all lies. It doesn't matter. Russia collusion, Russia bounty story, the list goes on and on and on. But, you know, I got good news for you. And that's the fact that November is coming. We have an opportunity to take our country back. The nuts and bolts of this country still exist. The checks and balances our founding fathers set up still exist. These safeguards to protect us from the government are still holding on, maybe not for long, which is why we've got to turn out. I know there's questions about the election, but that's why the numbers can't be on the margins, right? It, it's got to be big. you got to blow it up. And there's hope. I mean, you look at Myra Flores's victory in Texas 34, picked up a seat that hadn't been in Republican hands for 150 years. You look at Washington state, Patty Murray, who won by almost 20 percent in 2020, is running ads, negative ads against her Republican opponent. You know, so so elections do matter. Local elections matter as well. Get active on your local and state elections, school board, everything. Right. We need more leaders like Governor Ron DeSantis, President Trump, Kim Reynolds, who we listened to earlier. So there's still hope. There's still hope to take our country back. And we got to do it. Quick commercial break. Back to your questions on the other side. Call 877-377-4373. From your perspective, what's the biggest threat we're facing? That's what I want to know. Stick with us. Stay with us. Call in. Thanks. The Jesse Kelly Show. It's still real to me, damn it. Returns next. It wasn't easy. Sorry, I was listening to the music. I was getting distracted. I love the song. All right, so you're... Jesse Kelly show. I'm Lisa Booth, the host of The Truth with Lisa Booth. So I promised you that we're going to take calls. So I am making good 
on my promise. So we are going to get into this, answer some of your calls. So we've got Shane from Louisiana on the line. Shane, what do you think the biggest threat that we're facing is? Well, uh, I'm going to try to be a little candid here. Uh, This is what I want everybody to stop and realize and think about for a second. Uh, In in America, we can walk into our own homes, go to our bathroom, bathe, use the toilet, and we take that for granted. If the current situation continues, that will be gone, among everything else. You know, people really need to realize what's going on here. This this is play by play out of uh, that Salalinsky thing, you know, the yeah, Obama I know you're talking about Hillary who were in college, you know, they did their pieces on this. But uh, the Republicans are holding back. And I finally figured out why. I think that's the only thing keeping us together, you know. Why do you think they're holding back? Well, I mean, that's the last straw. It's like two trebuchets wound up tight and slam each other. The Democrats are wound up and ready. And they're stoking and stoking and stoking and stoking. And what's really bad about it is, you know, we try to listen. People like us, you know, conservatives, we try to listen to talk show hosts and everything. And the bad thing is, is all, all this stuff that they're doing, you guys are repeating it, and it just stokes the fire. And, I mean, I really feel it, you know. But that's what they're waiting on. That That's the breaker. And the only thing that's going to take is a real national crisis, and that is on its way. We're going to have a major recession, and I think that's when, you know, I think that's when the cradle's going to fall. If, if Republicans jump up and fire back and lose their minds like these damn Democrats have done, and they put it right. exactly what they want. All right. Well, Shane, I appreciate your time. We're we're coming up on a hard break here. But Shane from Louisiana, thank you for sharing your thoughts with us. Quick commercial break. We're going to be back with my friend Josh Hammer of Newsweek. So, So stick with us. Stay with us. The Jesse Kelly Show. You're listening to the Jesse Kelly Show, and we're in the home stretch here. I'm Lisa Booth, the host of The Truth with Lisa Booth. This has been so much fun, such an honor to fill in for my friend, Jesse Kelly. Give me the honor to take the reins tonight. So I really appreciate that. We're about to have my buddy Josh Hammer on from Newsweek. Not only is he a sharp legal mind, because he is, he's also brave, right? When I was trying to get an op-ed published about why I didn't want to get vaccinated, people were so afraid. You know, this was back in, I think, November of 2021, when basically if you didn't get vaccinated, everyone called you a grandma killer, e- even though I was, I'm young and healthy and COVID's never been a threat to me. As I mentioned earlier on the show, I've had it twice. Still here. Right. Much to the dismay of probably people on the left. But I- I'm still standing. You know, and I sent it to The Washington Post. and I-, I said earlier, they said, stay safe. Right. The implication somehow because I wasn't getting vaccinated, I, I was going to end up dead, even though I am 37. I am young and healthy. And COVID statistically was never a threat to my life. So I appreciate my buddy Josh for having the guts to publish the op-ed, which was well-sourced, linked to everything, linked to studies, linked to, you know, previous comments made by people like Joe Biden. Uh, you know, so Josh, you, not only are you a friend, but you're you're just a, you know, a great dude, a, a great editor. And, uh, you know, I just appreciate you. 
Well, at least I appreciate you too. I mean, one of the great pleasures of living down here in Miami over the past year is I've gotten to become friends with you. And, you know, Jesse's been a longtime friend of mine for years now, going back to when we both lived in Houston, Texas. So this world is so small. You know, he's off, you're filling in, and here we are. So it's great to be with you. <laughs> it is a small, and we've had so much fun in Florida. You fled a blue city just like I did. And, you know, we're lucky to be Floridians now, right? And live in a free state because of Governor Ron DeSantis. We really are. I mean, I really can't say enough about the job. I, I, I guess a lot of people can't say enough. There's been a lot of ink spilled, a lot of media sound bites that have been aired about the job that he has done over the past few years down here. But for what my money on this is worth, I genuinely do believe that our governor, Lisa, is the most dynamic, presently elected, conservative elected official in the country. And there's plenty of senators, congressmen that I'm a big fan of. You know, I ghost wrote a book with, with Senator Cruz of Texas a couple of years ago, big fan of Senator Hawley of Missouri. But on a day-to-day basis, just the, the vision, the dynamism, really, I mean, the, the dynamic day-to-day nature. DeSantis has a plan. He is a brilliant statesman who knows exactly what he is doing. But more than just having a plan, he's incredibly adroit and skillful at actually executing upon that plan. So those are separate skill sets. You have to have them both, I think. You know, and I've been talking to to Jesse's listeners tonight and just posing this question to them. You know, what's the biggest threat facing our country? So I'm going to pose that question to you, Josh. What is the biggest threat we're we're facing? Well, at an external level, the greatest threat is is China. I mean, China is by is by orders of magnitude on the on the global stage. The the most systemic top to bottom threat, not just from a national security perspective, although they are building out new aircraft carriers and they are t- they're testing hypersonic missiles that can fly around the world in a fraction of seconds. Obviously, they control a huge amount of our debt, which they kind of they can hang that over us like a sword of Damocles. And obviously, uh, so many U.S. corporations from the tech companies like Apple and Google are working over there and utterly reliant upon the Chinese Communist Party. So that's a huge, huge problem. At a domestic level, though, Lisa, at a domestic level, focusing on the home frontier, the biggest threat from my perspective is the fact that the woke ideology, whether it is in the classroom, in the boardroom, really especially more than anything else in the realm of woke capital, in the realm of the Fortune 500 big business companies from the technology sphere to the financial services sphere, they are increasingly dead set on creating a two-tier society where if you have the correct political allegiance, if you vote for the regime's party, for the Democratic Party, then you will be fine. If you are a deplorable, you will not be fine. You are at risk of having your social media platform canceled. You are at risk of having your financial services, like your banking, your Venmo, your PayPal canceled. That is what, on a day-to-day level here at home, I worry about the most. I'm not really sure that we on the right to date, have a well-defined plan for what to do about that. But it's a really, really, really big problem because they basically want to get us out of polite society, whether it's the big tech companies or increasingly big banking. I mean, de-financialization, like de-platforming or de-banking, I guess you would say, that's a big deal. And like that's, it's basically here already. I mean, there are some anecdotes to suggest that that, that is already happening. So that terrifies me, to be honest with you. You know, what do we do about it? You know, if I had the answer to that, I probably would have written the book already, right? Hopefully it would have done done well in, in sales. I mean, look, there's a few things that you can do. So the, the, the traditional answer, right, when you have companies that are simply not able to sell their goods or services to a large enough sample or, or, or in, in an ideal world, like a classic kind of market 
economy setting, in a situation like this where companies are simply not catering to half the populace, then a new company comes in, right? This is the so-called build-your-own-Google talking point, right? Is where the big, when the big tech companies are silencing and censoring conservatives, then you know the tech platforms come in. The problem is that build-your-own-Google only goes so far, right? So Parler, for instance, was supposed to be like a build-your-own-Google, and then we saw after January 6th what happened when Google, Amazon, and uh, Google, Amazon, and Apple teamed up. It, it, to me, it was like nakedly collusive conduct to basically nuke Parler. In the financial services space, one of the problems is that those those industries are just so concentrated already. So whether it's the big banks like J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, you know, I'm not sure that antitrust is really. I, I, I'm not sure that would do a lot there because the woke ideology would necessarily still predominate, even if you kind of broke up those big firms. It's not, it's not like a baby Bank of America will probably be less woke than the big Bank of America. So you know, it, it sounds like a little uncomfortable for conservatives who tend to default towards limited government solutions to say. But I, I think we do need to consider things like common carrier regulation more readily than we might have considered it 10, 15 years ago. I mean, Justice Thomas, the Supreme Court in the case just last year, suggested in a concurring opinion that common carrier regulation for the big tech companies in particular is probably a good vehicle moving forward, basically regulate them in the same way that we regulate the telephone companies, for instance, or, or, or the ISPs, the telecom networks. So I'm not sure that that's necessarily the end-all, be-all panacea for financial services, but it's, it's, it's something to at least think about very carefully. Well, and I think that's a challenge for a lot of us conservatives who, who do want, you know, limited government, but we have found ourselves in this predicament where corporate America really aligns with the left, right? They, they push their values, they punish people for wrong think, as, as you've pointed out, right? So, you know, we're, we're sort of in this struggle about the path forward in that situation. I mean, we've seen Governor DeSantis, we've talked about him a little bit tonight, take on Disney. You know, Chris Rufo tweeted yesterday talking about Disney and, and the impact this has had. Disney's stock plummeted by $40 billion. Its favorability rating dropped from 77 to 33%. Its new Buzz Lightyear film was a massive flop. I mean, is that is that the path, the path forward with, you know, states like Florida getting a little bit more active? Yeah, I think that's a huge part of the solution. I mean, look, I mean, like you, I'm sure, Lisa, I, I, was, I was a huge defender and advocate for what Governor DeSantis did here in our state of Florida with respect to the Walt Disney Company. And I, I, I think that you've actually already seen the results to an extent. I mean, ExxonMobil, which is obviously one of the world's largest oil and natural gas companies, in the aftermath of what Governor DeSantis did to Disney, they put out like a company-wide memo that basically said, if you are an ExxonMobil employee, you are forbidden from flying either the rainbow flag or the Black Lives Matter flag at the ExxonMobil offices. And I remember as well, in the aftermath of the leaked opinion, not the final opinion, but what, what at the time was just the leaked opinion from Justice Alito in the Dobbs abortion case, there was this major, I think it was a left-leaning corporate PR company that put out, or I guess it was leaked, I should say, this memo they put out to their clients was leaked, where they were advising their corporate, their corporate clients, they said, do not comment. We advise you not to comment on this draft opinion for fear of reprisal, a.k.a. for fear of exactly what Governor DeSantis did to Disney and what he actually did to the Tampa Bay Rays baseball team as well a few weeks ago when they got outspoken about the gun control issue. So I do think there was something to be said for that. Abigail Schreier, who has done amazing work on the transgender issue, perhaps more than anything else, she had a really excellent, I thought, Substack post recently, where I think was entitled, quote, in defense of political escalation. 
And where she basically said, and, you know, Abigail is someone who has kind of limited government, classical liberal kind of, uh, you, you know, uh, equal protection, neutrality, whatever instinct. She basically was like, look, this is not an ideal world, but this is the world we're living in. And right. we have to get back to a world of neutrality. If that means getting our hands dirty, then we just have to do it to an extent. So we, we, we just, we just got to do that, Lisa. We got to do it. That's a good point. Josh Hammer, Newsweek, you're awesome. Thanks for being a friend. Uh, and hopefully I, I see you soon. But uh, you're awesome. I, I appreciate your insight. Looking Talk forward to you soon, my friend. Right. We're going to take a quick commercial break and then more on the Jesse Kelly show on the other side. Stick with us. This is the Jesse Kelly show. <laughs> It's almost over. It's almost over. These past three hours have flown by. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. I'm Lisa Booth, the host with the truth, or the host of The Truth with Lisa Booth. I appreciate Jesse for giving me the reins, you know, giving, having trust in me and faith in him, or faith in me uh, to, to fill in tonight. It's been a blast. We've talked to Governor Kim Reynolds of Iowa. We've talked to Buck Sexton. You know him from the Clay and Buck show. He used to, I believe, this hour from, uh, or these hours from six to nine. We talked to my buddy Bobby Burak with Outkick about the media and and the role that's had and, and really just pushing lies, right? And we just talked to Josh Hammer as well of Newsweek, one of my really good friends, just a, a really sharp legal mind. But, you know, we had talked a little bit about Governor Ron DeSantis. Obviously, I, I think I think you know from listening to this show or, or if anyone follows me, so I left communist New York for free Florida. I came down here because I got really tired of the government trying to dictate to me how I live my life as a free American. So I said, the heck with this. Get off my lawn. I'm going to Florida. I actually had spent two weeks in uh, Cape Coral, actually. One of my really good friends, uh, her family lives there. I stayed with them for two weeks. No one was wearing masks. Everyone was free. We went out. I played darts. We were living life. And I was like, this is the kind of state I want to live in. So I went back. And when I got back to New York, I decided, you know what? I'm out. Right. So I, I packed myself. I, I looked for apartments. I, I live in Miami and I was like, I, I'm out. I'm going to the free state of Florida. I'm going to be a free American. No more of this communist stuff in New York. Tired of people like Andrew Cuomo, Bill de Blasio, who were in office then just shoving this stuff down my throat, shoving lies down her throat. But, you know, it was funny because we mentioned, you know, go to Ron DeSantis a little bit. I don't know if you guys saw the New Yorker piece. It was like a hit piece against Governor Ron or like alleged hit piece. It says, can Ron DeSantis, uh, you know, displace Trump as the GOP's combatant in chief? But anyways, the whole point is to attack Governor DeSantis. But what's hilarious is like if you read through it, you're like, where's the hit? You know, is it is it coming? I kept reading it, and I'm like, oh, you know, are we getting closer? Like, what's, you know, is this, when, 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 where's the hit? When's it coming? And, like, what's hilarious is there's this one line that I just love from, I can't say all the words, I'm not, I don't know if I'm not going to spell it out, because some of it's, like, curse words, I don't want to get in trouble, I think that's frowned upon around here, but it's, this is what it says. It says, DeSantis revels in defying what he sees as a corrupt and self-satisfied liberal establishment. All right, I'm into that. <laughs> it goes on to say, those who work closely with him say that he is unique among elected officials in his disregard for public opinion in the press. I mean, I'm really into that, right? Like, I, I the most of the public opinion is stupid. I mean, look how dumb society is, right? Like, who wants who wants society to, to like you? They're idiots, right? In the press, 
stinks too. I, I almost said a word, maybe it would get me in trouble too. But anyways, so it goes on to say, Ron's strength as a politician is that he doesn't give enough. Obviously, I can't say that word. I know that's a no-no. And, and this is what some Republican consultant told this uh, reporter, goes on to say from the same consultant, Ron's weakness as a politician is also that he doesn't give enough. Big donors, question mark, he doesn't give an S word. I, I can't say that either. I don't want to get in trouble. Cancels on them all the time, right? So, so it's hilarious because this whole alleged hit piece just basically makes you like the guy more, right? Like, who doesn't like someone who hates the liberal establishment, who doesn't care what public opinion says, right? Who, who doesn't care what the media says, right? All these people are liars, right? You look at society. I mean, they're trying to tell us that boys can be girls, girls can be boys, and who wants their approval, right? If you have their approval, you're doing it wrong, so I just find that, and then also, like, who care if a politician is canceling on big donors? Like, kudos, right? It means they can't be bought. So it's just hilarious. You guys should go check out this op-ed because yeah, I literally was just reading through it, and I kept being like, well, you know, when's, you know, when's it coming, right? You know, you know, when, when, when's the hit coming? I mean, they probably are, you know, going to keep trying to attack the guy. I mean, we saw what they did to President Trump. We've been covering it. On the show, you know, talking about the January 6th committee, just an extension of the coup that we essentially saw against President Trump when he was a candidate, when he was president-elect, and then again during the White House. I mean, you had people writing op-eds in the Wall Street Journal. They're anonymous. I think the guy's come out now, but, you know, he's kind of a loser. But anyways, like Miles or something. I don't even know his last name. But anyways, you know, writing op-eds in, in the Wall Street Journal saying that they're subverting the will of the American people. I mean, I, yeah, that's not that's not how it's supposed to to go, right? You know that that's not that's not how it's supposed to go. You've got a duly elected president, and you've got someone in the administrative state, you know, trying to subvert the will of a duly elected president. Yeah, and, and so I've been talking throughout this show because, you know, we're coming up on Independence Day. We're we're coming up on July Fourth. And it's important to remember what America is about, right? We are the land of the free. We are the home of the brave, right? We're, we're a country who wants the government off our backs. Yeah, I talked about the earlier hour at the top of the show about the fact that you, you look at the American Revolution, it was the Stamp Act, right? They, they, it was the role of government in our lives. And, you know, unfortunately, we've got these safeguards that they put into place. We've got these checks and balances. We We have things like elections where we can go out and make our voices heard in a peaceful manner. You know, these things still exist. I mean, they're hanging on, right? The left's trying to destroy them as much as they can. I mean, you saw what they did with the Supreme Court. I mean, someone leaked the the Roe versus Wade draft opinion. That's never happened before, right? I mean, you get the left. they're, They're trying to knock down every institution, every single one, every single last one. They want to blow up the Constitution. They don't believe in the principles of this nation, but we do. And we're still in the fight and we're not giving up, you know, and we got a November ahead of us, right? So we got to go out. We got to make our voices heard. We've got to turn this ship around because this is a beautiful country. It's worth fighting for. You know, we're not giving up. And we're not going to let these losers, you know, make us shut up or make us submit to their lies and, and to the way they, they want us to live our lives. Because it's not American. So this 4th of July, I hope you have fun. Please check out my podcast, The Truth with Lisa Booth. 
I've got a, a an awesome special coming up about the foundations of our nation on Monday. The truth of Lisa Booth. Thank you to my friend Jesse Kelly and Chris, his producer, for letting me fill in. It's been a ride. So happy Fourth of July. Happy Independence Day, guys. Have a wonderful night. Take care. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.